0: This is the Overthinking It podcast, a special episode for Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles, the season finale, the second season finale, and it will contain spoilers. It will spoil everything up to and including the season finale. So if you want to, you know, have fresh eyes for that, stop now and go watch it and then come back and listen. Uh, Hey, everyone. It's Matt Rather. I'm here with Mark Lee from last time. Yo, yo, yo. And Jordan Stokes now. How's it going? Glad you could join us this time, Jordan, and because I know you were a fan and you actually wrote one of the first posts on overthinking it about uh, about TSCC, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. It was, uh, you know, I, I was on that show from the uh, from day one to That's to
0: fine. the very last day of that show. Sadly, <laughs> well, is it is that for sure now? Do we know that that was it? Not for sure, but it would be pretty remarkable if they brought it back, wouldn't it? I mean, is it bad to start with ratings news? I know we try to, like, treat these things as, you know, stories kind of complete in themselves. But uh, the ratings were flat, unchanged from recent weeks. A 1.3 rating among adults 18 to 49, which translates into 3.6 million viewers. Uh, Which
2: translates into, like, I don't know... uh, a 19 share for Terminator fanboys like me, right?
0: No, it's, it's probably like a 99 share for Terminator fanboys share, yeah. like you. Yeah. Like that is 99% of Terminator fanboys, uh, were watching the show and yet, um, and, and that 1% was like driving to their mother's house or something because their <laughs> you know, I don't know, television went out, <laughs> uh, and just got stuck in traffic or something, um, and uh this is you know, and this is despite the heavily promoted promo for the Christian Bale movie that's uh that's coming up. Dollhouse Dollhouse also slipped Dollhouse slipped in the ratings, but that you know, the with the uh Terminator lead in, but that is not what this podcast is about. So, you know, if that I mean three point <laughs> six million viewers is uh I don't know, that's like that's not so good for a network television show, right? A primetime uh, Big Four network TV show. I mean, it, it well, sounds like a big number, but it's not actually, I hey, guess. Hey, I would take those numbers on this pod. I take 1% of those numbers <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Could actually quit my but day we, job if I had...
2: Uh, it, it costs only a fraction of the cost of, to make a Terminator Sarah at Chronicles episode uh, to make this, this podcast Right, you know, exactly. There's, there's slightly less, you know, liquid metal special effects and uh, bullet squibs and things like that.
0: Isn't that incredible? That in T two, that liquid metal effect was like the state of the art and cost untold uh, tens of millions of dollars to produce. And now it's like, oh yeah, that's uh, that's not even a very highly rated show has that special effect yeah, in know. it.
1: Yeah, it's funny. It's actually like the liquid metal terminators are now substantially easier to create than the standard terminators. Right. Like it's much harder to do Summer glows, metal face makeup than it is to do like you know a CGI uh, um, blob. You know,
2: with the stabby stabby arms.
0: Gotta love the stabby yeah, arms. Yeah,
1: the stabby arms. Yeah, Gotta she, she does. Yeah, arms.
0: she does. She's all stabby arms, isn't she? I think. I don't think she's killed Pretty anyone big. in any other way.
1: No, no. She once uh, kissed a guy to death with her like giant liquid metal tongue. (laughs) Yeah, but was
0: that wasn't wasn't that just like stabby tongue? Uh, Maybe. I mean, what do you think? What do you think she did? Do do you think she asphyxiated (laughs) him by like coating his lungs in metal, or do you think she just like shoved stabby tongue down and like you know stirred up his internal organs a little bit? Maybe a combination of both. Yeah, right? I mean, why, a, why stop dogs, at one? But that's what, that was my impression. Bet you can't kiss just one.
1: This is the kind of like hole within the overarching plot of the series that fan fiction exists to fill. Right, exactly. So.
0: Right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I should write that, you know? I should write just like a 5,000 word account of that guy's last millisecond. You know? The I'm like.
1: of stabby tongue. In the random views of <laughs>
0: maybe she has. Yeah, maybe she was going out to a lot of bars and picking up guys like that.
2: <laughs> that's, that's how she's
0: programmed. Yeah. So, like summer like hot, hot summer glow. I was reminded, Jordan, of what you said about the Iron Man anal fisting scene. Uh, <laughs> when When I saw... Uh, right? Like, uh, isn't that right no, in totally. Iron Man? Gwyneth Paltrow sticking her fist in a gaping orifice on Robert Downey Jr., and then there's like this oozy stuff that comes out, and she also remarks on how bad it smells. Oh. <laughs> Have I got the evidence more or less all lined up there? Pretty much. Also, he's like careful, you know. Don't don't be too rough because it could be very painful for me.
1: Right. You know, you exactly. Have to, like, ease your hand in there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> same thing. Yeah. Same thing with the uh, the you know knife penetration scene with John and Cameron. Yeah, man, that was that was weird. So, should we should we talk
1: about the final episode? Is that the uh, the point in the podcast that we're at now?
0: Well, I guess if we don't know that by now, then <laughs> okay. yeah. um, yes, I believe I believe that we should. I mean, did you that, listen to Mark and my to Mark and my thoughts from last week? I did. It was
1: uh, you know it was a very interesting podcast. I um, if you I if you myself, happen to
0: like the show,
1: yeah, I, I find myself somewhere in between the two of you in terms of like. Uh, how frustrated I was with the series and how much I was still just loving it up. You know, um, I didn't, I didn't see it quite as the, the waste of opportunity that, uh, that you did, Matt. Um, but still there are some things that, uh, especially in my recent weeks I've been very kind of like, you know, upset with the show. But then uh, the last couple of episodes before the finale, I thought like really were happening. At have been, it up.
0: Well, have been pretty good. I mean, I guess yeah. they've been setting up the finale. Yeah, pretty much. Although some
1: of them, I mean, the whole episode with the, uh, the submarine, which I thought was just great, was kind of its own little arc that didn't go anywhere or do anything in particular.
0: Well, yeah, but you got this, uh, that liquid metal Terminator that had been in the box until Australian Girl let it out. Uh, right. It said, will you join us? No. Tell John Connor the answer is no.
1: Oh, yeah. Fair enough. So yeah, you you set up something that they had been hinting at um, quite a bit, actually, since the start of the series, that there is some kind of third column of Terminators that aren't uh, really happy with Skynet's leadership, which turns out to be very crucial for the series finale, right?
0: Right, yeah. Or, well, is that, or are they just reprogrammed? I mean, is it clear whether they've, like, dissented from... uh... From Skynet or whether they've just been captured and reprogrammed by John Connor, the man who figured out, you know, how Terminators are programmed at some point.
2: I think that's one of many things that's ambiguous at this point in the series.
0: It was
1: my impression that there is a group of Terminators which are no longer obeying Skynet's orders. But they haven't necessarily joined up with the resistance. So that question, will you join us? And the answer, no, is John Connor reaching out to this other group of Terminators and saying, look, will you help us fight Skynet? And um, presumably because of the way that the crew of the submarine treats their, you know, their black Terminator captain, uh, the liquid metal Terminator decides that, no, she doesn't want to be part of them. That was how I
0: read that. That's oh, a, that's, that's fair, interesting. That she might have said yes before, mm-hmm. but uh, huh. Keep in mind, though, that
2: I think we've already established that that is a totally alternate, some alternate branched off timeline, which we're not really uh, that that is, doesn't really isn't really cogent to the the, the storyline in Sarah Connor Chronicles that we're seeing now, because that's the whole Jesse had alternate experience that doesn't line up with uh, Derek's.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I find myself, like, I listen to that part of your podcast, and, like, it's all very interesting stuff, but I feel like if you try to really pay attention to how time travel works in the series, like, that way madness lies,
0: you know? Right. It, it becomes right. very hard to care about anything at all. Well, which was which actually was our point, right? Because that, that kind of multiple timelines storytelling uh, makes it impossible to win. Because you're only winning in one small possi- in one small realm of possibility. That is, there are you know infinite other timelines in which you do not win, and so it's kind of a you know it's kind of a minor victory to defeat Skynet in one thing, in one timeline. Because Judgment yeah. Day still happens in another timeline, and billions of people die.
2: Sadness, metal machines,
0: and, right? And rather really than. You like. Sorry,
1: yeah? The, the best thing to do would be, uh, rather than sending one person back to fight Skynet, would be to do a mass evacuation of all of the timelines in which Judgment Day does happen into timelines where it doesn't, right? <laughs> well, I, mean, think like, you, like yeah,
0: yeah, 10, I think that when you...
1: Yeah, yeah. I think through the time portal, I mean? Yeah, totally. Like that episode of
0: South Park, you know, the, uh, the goo backs. <laughs> Um, this is, I mean, this is the problem with that multiple timeline, uh, time travel in storytelling, as opposed to the yesterday's enterprise, you know, uh, the timeline automatically retcons itself instantly, uh, or the back to the future, the timeline automatically retcons itself, uh, via delayed fade out. Mm-hmm. You know, anyway, yeah, no, I I agree that that way Madness lies. And if you really take it to its logical conclusions, it becomes impossible to tell stories. So let's not, you know, let's not do that. Let's let's do what Jordan said. Let's let's jump into the uh, let's jump into the last episode.
1: And there are a few very interesting things that happen. Uh, Can we start off by talking about the fan service moment since it was so extreme and we already talked about it a little bit? Yeah, go for it. I mean, for people who didn't watch the show but are listening to this anyway, they decided that uh, it was important before they got canceled to have, uh, you know, the, the sexy female Terminator Cameron sit down and have John Connor lie on top of her and penetrate her torso <laughs> with a knife. <laughs> right. I love this it. Was really, <laughs> this was a
0: really oh. uncomfortable scene for me to watch. What like, is that? Is that, that it, fetish called knife play or something? <laughs> like if I were looking for a website, what would I Google? terminator sex uh, yeah right the thing is that like as i understand it uh
1: knife play is something where people like well, the point of that is the trust that you allow somebody to like hold a knife to your throat and know that they're not going to stab you but they have the power to sure Whereas this is about like having a girlfriend that you can carve open without actually messing her up in any way yeah it's a little bit different a lot more messed up
2: <laughs> yeah just from a kind of a Storytelling standpoint, my, my take on that was like it's, it was just straight up sexploitation, right? That, yeah. that they clearly didn't, you know, have to tell the story get across whatever point they were trying to make about Cameron's character, uh, in that particular way. I mean, it was played straight up for, for TNA. Wait, you know? had Ellis
0: did that happen before or after Ellison showed up? <clears throat> I think after, right? So, after. is this like, is this. I'm trying to think of what possible plot function other than showing us summer glow in her bra, which we saw once before. Right. When uh, twice, at least several times. Yeah. When Sarah, but she was walking around the house topless when when Sarah was away at some point. Yeah. But usually when we've
1: seen her stripped down, the sort of the subtext is, oh, she doesn't really understand the effect that her body is having on this teenage boy. She's just like she's a machine and it doesn't matter to her. Um, Right. Whereas this one, I mean, it was much more heavily sexualized.
0: Um, Right. So how does that play into Ellison showing up? Well, the, the idea would be that, like, she's doing this blatantly sexualized thing to make sure he's almost kind of imprinted on her enough to follow her through time because she knows that's what he needs to do or something. Mm-hmm. Possibly. I don't, yeah.
2: I don't know. I wasn't really getting that. I just, I just
0: really didn't see any points with just beyond. No, just I don't some... see evidence. Oh. I don't see textual evidence for it really here. I'm just wondering what it could possibly be, and that's all that I'm coming up with.
1: You're saying, like, if you were a writer and you had to – and it gets miraculously picked up for a third season and you have to justify it somehow.
0: I'm afraid it would be miraculous. I thought that there would be more tying up of loose ends, right, rather than – and actually, I'm pretty bummed because if it gets canceled, like, I feel like this is very awesome because there's there's the potential for some really cool storytelling kind of through different different timelines and how do they pass messages to each other And stuff like this Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean there's definitely some interesting thing places for it to go Um, before we go on to like the that that sort of Bizarre hammer-dropping finale which is like the other really interesting thing that happens in the episode I want to talk about the fan service for a minute more Which was mark you were saying that like there's no real reason to do that Um, I think that it depends like In terms of the plot mechanics it's supposedly checking to see if her power plant is leaking radiation and yeah there are other ways that they could have done that without having this big sexualized thing but if they were trying to just kind of establish that her character is this sexual threat to John Connor or not even sexual threat I don't even know quite what I'm saying I think that uh, to say that it's just fan service uh, and that's disconnected from the plot is to miss an important point. It's fan service, and that is the plot. You know, that is what the character exists to do in a certain sense. Right.
2: To give John Connor something to desire that he can't have.
1: Mm-hmm. Or, or like... the fanboys something to desire that he can't have. You know, <laughs> they can't have, you know? But, like, it... it, it there's, it sort of breaks down the distinction between the um the fiction of the show and like the existence of the show in the world, which is something that's kind of interesting. Whenever that happens, wow! Didn't think about there's it that. A way. Certain, there's a certain subset of people that were watching that show, waiting for that scene to happen. You know, so for them. By something some be all
2: males watching the show.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't say all males watching the show, but like a solid third of them, let's say. Well, <laughs> right. Yeah, I
2: mean, You need, need a Venn diagram for this one. Clearly, yeah, I, know, the uh, audience of Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles, waiting for that scene to happen. So well, there are levels. About- wait,
0: there are levels to waiting for it to happen. To like, I, I think, uh, you know, any uh, solid red blooded <laughs> heterosexual American man can't uh, help but enjoy watching Summer Glau with her shirt off. But I think that the the segment you're talking about is more specialized. They're watching that, like, hot, hot man-on-machine, you know, knife penetration. Yeah, possibly. Yeah,
1: no, totally. Like, the people who started watching this show, not because they loved the Terminator, but because there was that poster of, like, her disembodied torso hanging from a crane with the metal spine sticking out. Like, the people for whom that, like, struck a chord, and they were like, gotta watch this. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, check... Yeah, and I find it interesting. I mean, we're saying that a lot of the loose ends are still dangling, but that segment of the fan base has had their resolution, right? Like, that's what they signed on to see, and in the last episode, they get
0: to see it. Sure, you know? okay. And Fair enough. Also
2: the, and also, Cameron's... My interpretation of the ending is that Cameron's Terminator Metal body is gone now. Mm. So there's no, you know, John, John Connor... Well, I guess anything's possible at this point, right? I mean, so maybe we should, you know, I guess this might be a good time to, to move to the kind of what happens in the future thing, right? So yeah, totally,
1: totally. Give, give, us a brief, uh, give us a brief recap for, you know, the people <laughs> who...
2: I'll do my best because it was uh, it, it just <laughs> so much. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about yeah. your thankless tasks. <laughs> oh, God, I can't I this one. Um, so they bust out Sarah Connor from prison, right? I'm skipping over a lot of other side details just to kind of mm. get to the core, right? The, the core characters, what happened to them. They bust Sarah Connor, Connor out of prison. They go, Sarah and John and Cameron go to visit Catherine Weaver, the Corp. They send Cameron down to the basement to take out John Henry because they think he's, you know, the uh, Terminator and he's the prototype Skynet. Yeah, just uh, to,
1: um, to, for people who are, like, completely not paying attention to this show and just listening to our podcast, if there are any, uh, Catherine Weaver is a, turns out, a um, liquid metal Terminator that's been sent back. Um, she's stabby-tongue. Like- we, yeah, Stabby Town.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And whether really, uh, she's good or bad is, is, is kind of ambiguous, maybe up to like the previous episode before the finale. Yeah.
1: like they start out off this season setting her up as a huge villain. She seems to have been sent back literally to create Skynet. It now seems like she's creating kind of an alternative Skynet that's actually good or something like that. Yeah, right.
2: and, and so it, it turns out, I guess, like the bad Skynet tries to kill them by sending in that three dot drone. In mm-hmm. to blow up the office. Uh, you know, Stabby, 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 Liquid Terminator saves them all. Um, they go down to the basement and realize that uh, Cameron gave her chip to John Henry, who was, you know, this, this Terminator body who was hooked up to the big mainframe. Right. So, so mm-hmm. The alternate Skynet. Yeah. Good alternate Skynet. So we presume that that machine is still there, but John Henry detaches himself, has Cameron's chip, Cameron, Cameron's consciousness, sent himself into the future. And then Captain Weaver, Stabby Stabby, um takes John Connor to the future and maybe leaves Sarah Connor behind. It's unclear at the end, I think. Did I cover all the bases?
1: Yeah, I think that covers basically everything. Although I wouldn't say that um that Stabby Town says, "Hey John, let's go to the future." It's more like like the the time portal opens up and she's going to the future. And John sort of walks up to go with her. And she certainly doesn't stop him, you know. And Sarah Connor backs out of the time portal. And her last words to John before he, like, you know, goes to post-judgment day is, I'll stop it. Like, she's going to stay behind and try to stop Judgment Day as she has been trying.
2: Right. But the last shot of the episode is you see the sparks, and then you hear a disembodied voice. I presume Sarah Connor's, which says, I love you too, John. Yeah. Which is... does that leave up with the possibility that somehow she traveled through time as well? Maybe, but I kind of think not. Was that just an echo?
1: Yeah, I think it's just an echo. Um, there's, a, there's a scene right before they go down to, uh, to meet with Stabbytown, Town um, where John says, you know, I love you to his mother. And she doesn't yep. say anything to him. So I think it's just kind of like closing that off. I don't think it's supposed to be her, okay, action. Fair
2: sure enough. But actually, now I'm remembering a few things that I, that, I, that I left off there. So right, Cameron's metal body is left behind. Yeah, when in the future uh Stabby Town liquid terminator disappears off somewhere and then the Shirley Manson
0: show. Shirley Manson from Garbage. Let me say yeah. uh, you know Garbage I thought it was a totally great band when they were releasing records. <laughs> you, no, you you, totally you You're sticking up for the garbage there. Yeah, I know. Butch Vig and like it was like three producers of other hit rock and roll records playing the instruments and then Shirley Manson. It was was almost like Skynet in that it was like engineered (laughs) rock and roll for, you know, uh, but very well engineered kind of pop rock, you know, industrial, I don't know, Nine Inch Nails light kind of stuff with a uh, with a chick singer and you know she was great she was very good singer very provocative you know uh but uh indifferent actress i think though i guess she's called upon to be kind of flat yeah. in the uh so, in the show sorry didn't mean so, to so interrupt just to wrap up the, the, the a rattle point. so
2: they go into the future right julia manson stabby town disappears i like how we've named her Stabby Town. Um, yeah. So.
0: Uh, Cameron, I actually said, I the, said stabby tongue, though oh, maybe oh. it didn't come, come through. <laughs> that town <that laughs> works as well. Yeah, um, I'm okay with stabby town. I
1: think
2: that's <laughs> what we're <doing. laughs> that's where, that, is where, that is the town in which we inhabit right now. Yeah. Um, so to wrap it up, though, so the, the human girl that Cameron is based on shows up. Clearly not yeah. a determined because she's, like, petting the dog, and the dog isn't barking its head off.
1: Yeah, they have this is like one, dude. two, three um, sort of money shot of recognition for John Connor in the future. First, yeah. uh, um, his uncle, right, uh, Derek Reese, who was bumped off kind of callously an episode or two ago, just like uh, shot in the dome by a, a random Terminator. Um, in this moment, that was very weird. You're sort of like, did he decide he had better things to do um, as an actor or something? Um, so he is still alive in the future, right? Because they've gone back to a time before he was sent back. And then Kyle Reese, right? John's father, who he's never met, shows up. And, and they don't know who he is. Yeah, I mean, they have no idea who he is. But there's these shots of him, like, looking at his uncle, oh, my God, you're still alive. And then his father, oh, my God, you're still alive. Yeah. And then they have uh, the girl that Cameron was based on um, petting a German Shepherd that's sort of like, you know, sticking its tongue out and like panting up at her. And the camera
2: just like lingers on
1: them. It's so ridiculous. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, with all that there, right, the question is what are these characters doing? What is their where, where, where do they stand in whatever Terminator timeline that we're thinking of? Why don't they recognize John? What mm-hmm. happened to the whole. Um, so let's let's I guess maybe what I want to want to think about is that the timeline piece right there So what we've seen I guess in the travel travel through time future thing is that it's the same thing essentially as you cut them out of the timeline right time progresses linear as they're gone and they just reappear So judgment basically judgment day happened Don Connor wasn't around was to nowhere to be found existence. And so I don't know in terms of what year it is, but maybe they just you know there was the never they never did the whole send Kyle back in time to follow the the Arnold Terminator thing,
0: Mm. or maybe they're not there yet. That is tough. Yeah, yeah, or maybe they're not at that decision yet.
1: Another way to interpret it is um, when they say, I mean, certainly they don't recognize young John. Um, We don't know for a fact that. John Connor doesn't exist in this timeline. The only evidence for that is uh, he says, "I'm John Connor," and uh, Derek turns to like his subordinates and says, "Anyone know the name John Connor?" And everyone's like, "Ha ha 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 ha." So that could be like, "Yes, this is a random name that he pulled out of nowhere. Like, why would you expect us to react to that?" Or it could mean like, you know, it's it's like going into a random army base and being like, "Hi, I'm Colin Powell. Could I speak to your chief?" You know.
2: Either like, way, yeah. Hi. I don't wow. know if I buy that. I'm I'm pretty convinced that John Connor doesn't exist in that timeline. That was the
0: sense I got as well. For what it's worth, yeah. Okay.
2: So what they do with I mean, then so then right, John also you have to remember the John Henry slash Cameron is walking around out there somewhere. It's totally unclear to me, at least. Right, Did right, right. The Cameron, the Cameron, the Cameron
0: in the John Henry body, which was also the Cromarty body yes yeah mm. is is stalking around and maybe that's why all the dogs were running around maybe it was from the john henry teleport uh or time travel before right and yeah. then um and also the stabby town teleport. Yeah. Uh, well right yeah no d- right she between. yeah shirley manson from garbage coming through and she disappears right yeah. of course because she can't be seen, though it seems impossible. The liquid metal terminators, the, and I believe those are T one thousands, right? Yeah. yeah, seem better than the Arnold or Summer Glau or Cromarty style terminators in almost every respect, right? Because they can like conduct voltage, because they can just kind of absorb the bullets. Like, why don't you make all your terminators that way?
2: This well, is a sort of liquid metal material, clearly. Yeah, expense, oh, I guess right? so. Got right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> economics.
1: It's like yeah. uh, on the office where um where they're running the marathon, and so my strategy is to start off running fast, and then go faster, and then right at the end, speed up a little bit more. And Jim's like, "Yeah, I don't know why more people don't do that." You know? Like, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so I want to nitpick something real quick, and I, I also before I guess we get into some of the more meteor philosophical discussions about. You know, can, what I guess, this...
1: can I guess what you're nitpicking? Uh, yeah. why, doesn't, uh, why doesn't Cameron's body go forward through time with them? Yeah,
2: it's very exactly. similar to that. In other words, so like, well, um, so why doesn't her body go forward, right? Also, mm-hmm. why is it that the liquid metal Shirley Manson, I guess for that matter, the Robert Patrick Terminator 2 T-1000, they're essentially metal bodies, right? They just have the outward appearance of human flesh. How do they get through? Mm-hmm. Yeah i mean i I, th- I thought about it for a little bit, and you know I'm, I kind of stopped trying to fully rationalize it because because you it's just kind of established from Terminator two that well, they can do that yeah
1: yeah yeah I mean the, the answer is that um that and uh you know gl- glowy rocks
2: a wizard did it whatever you want to say right wait, come again
1: uh, um, it's a this is something from tvtropes.com that uh whenever there you need to have some kind of scientific explanation for why the thing that is necessary for the plot can happen the answer is uh you use applied phlebotonum
2: which is like a made-up word that i I don't know exactly (laughs) 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 okay i buy that so yeah that's 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 nitpick but yeah maybe in the the better question is why cameron's body didn't come through because she is surrounded you know it's a it's a metal body but it's surrounded by human living tissue right human flesh
1: and what's really interesting is that like, the implied answer is that the reason it doesn't come through is because once you take the chip out, she's not alive anymore. And you can't see it because this is a podcast I'm, you know, doing scare quotes around that alive. Um, and therefore, her body is just a thing. It can't be transported, which is very interesting, you know, if they want to go that way. Saying that what can go through time, it doesn't matter if it's living tissue; it matters if it has a soul or something like that, uh, which would or self, self-awareness. I agree, though, that the
0: that the explanation that her fragibulator has not been preframulated is pro- <laughs> is probably more <laughs> apt here.
2: Yeah, it's not the.
1: I mean, that's probably what it is, but I do think, though, that... In in, in other
0: words, I think we are going to get a Star Trek solution to a Babylon 5 problem here.
1: But in the last two episodes, they've suddenly been hitting this question of, you know,
0: whether robots are people a lot harder than they did
1: earlier in the series.
0: Don't you think? Well, right. It was like uh, John Henry asking, do I have a soul? And Allison said, well, that's what we're here to find out. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, and by and the it way, I just been... I just point
2: out, yeah. just point out how hilarious it was that you know John Henry is seen playing Dungeons and Dragons and is rolling twenties like it's nobody's business. <laughs> 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 that,
0: rolling twenties, uh,
2: yo. <laughs> rolling twenties. Yeah, yeah, A, I another, agree.
1: Little, another little piece of, uh, of fan service, the core base, which probably <laughs>
0: yeah, comes I'm talking about fan service. Yeah, good point. <laughs> good point. Well, what's the um. Uh, so, what, I mean, Mark, what do you want to say about the – I think we, we heard from McGee when you and I were at uh, New York Comic Con. I think we heard that um, uh, that the new Terminator Salvation movie will disregard entirely the Sarah Connor Chronicles right. story, that it is just – it will just take into account – uh, kind of the spirit of the first two movies and the revised date of Judgment Day from the third movie, though, though right. he, he made it clear that he was no fan of the, the third movie.
2: Yeah, and even more specifically, he wanted to kind of focus on what I guess we call kind of a, the, the trinity of the Terminator, uh, of the Terminator universe. And that's our that's your Easter reference there, by the way. Um, huh. That The trinity composed of Sarah Connor, Kyle Reese, and John Connor. Right. And that it all kind of revolves around, you know, those three central characters and, you know, that act of traveling back in time and, you know, and giving birth to John Connor, the savior. Um, so so, you know, the McG clearly has that on the mind. Um, but I, what I, I guess that doesn't quite fully address, though, to me, is the, the this whole question of the overlying themes of the Terminator universe. Well, for that matter, like, I guess after Terminators 1 and 2, clearly that was, you know, the product of James Cameron's you know imagination and everything. And, you know, after those movies, there was, you know, this idea of this Terminator canon and this Terminator philosophy. There's no—future is not set. There is no fate but what we make. Um, Terminator 3 comes along, and people complain how it was a departure from that. Sarah Connor Chronicles comes along and seems to correct a lot of those. But by this point, as we can see now, it was just really spinning off in a lot of, you know— of its own directions. And you know, that that's fair enough. Um, But now we're, you know, this, this new Terminator movie is coming out. And by this point, you know, we've had, this is two seasons of Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles. We've had Terminator three, Jonathan Mostow, and now Terminator four coming out with McG. Um, My question, I guess to, to you guys
0: is, you know, Who seemed there, like a totally even relevant at all now? He seemed McGee seemed like a totally cool dude, right? Like totally yeah, yeah, not absolutely. like totally not like someone named McGee. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a good way to put it. Um, but
2: my my question is like you know people think about this kind of integrity of this Terminator canon and this philosophy. Does it matter anymore? Has it all just essentially been blown to smithereens and now we're just telling stories about you know. Uh, robots and yes they can have philosophical thoughts about whether they have souls and things like that, but it's you know, we've moved so far from James Cameron's vision of it that we're just off in a in a in a different thing altogether now.
1: I wonder if um Terminators one and two will always kind of serve as the source text for any further
2: explorations of the Terminator universe. They're supposed to, certainly.
1: Because it seems like he's MCG is still paying attention to them, you know. Yeah. So I I think that maybe those will those will be kind of like the uh, the liturgy, and then you can uh, you can then have various reimaginings of it. But you always have to keep those two in mind, and anything that comes afterwards, you're free to ignore. That that would be my guess.
2: I guess what I'm trying to say is that they're telling very different stories now than the Terminator. Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. I was specifically thinking about Terminator 2 and what is that story about, really? Um, it's about, obviously, several different things, and one of the, the cruxes of it is the value of human life, right? You know, sure. I swear I will not kill anyone. I swear I will not kill anyone. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. You know? And at the end, Sarah Connor's voiceover is that, you know, if a machine can learn the value of human life, then maybe there's hope for all of us.
0: Well, isn't it, I mean, that was a... That was a a revision of the original ending, wasn't it? Yes, it was a revision of the original ending,
2: which shows, um, you know, Sarah Connor old and sitting in a park somewhere. And it's clear that Judgment Day didn't happen and that, yay, they won.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, Park Park is important because of Flaming Swing Set, right? Yes. So none of that. the, The park didn't blow up in a nuclear holocaust. I've gotta say i like the I like the ending they actually went with a lot better <laughs> yeah right well it it does i mean it does sort of leave open uh it leaves open the meaning it doesn't necessarily wrap it up in the same way, and it of course leaves open the possibility of sequels
1: well, but it it's also just so much more appropriate to the tone of the movie, which even though i mean I guess they kind of save the day and destroy all the evidence and whatnot, it's still very um bleak and apocalyptic in tone, so ending with, you know, happy children playing would uh, feel forced and wrong somehow. Well, also, the, the
2: ending, it kills the, you know, the whole point of, the other main point of Terminator 2 is, you know, the future is not set. Plain and right. simple, right? And when you show the future as, you know, um, as Park and, and, and Flowers, and that is a set future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so, I mean, clearly, right, you know, what, what they're trying to do in Terminator 2 is stop Judgment Day And, you know, that is their way of, you know, of determining their own fate. But still, you know, that fate is still not determined, even though they've done those actions.
1: I suppose, arguably, making a a future film set in the Terminator future betrays that a little bit, because... Whether they come out and say that this future is set or not, just by telling a big coherent story set in that future, you kind of establish it more as what really happened.
2: You know, there is, uh, I, I, I definitely understand that, but I think there's another way to look at that as well, yeah. which is that um, because in any Terminator story that we have, we see machines from the future being sent back into time and humans from the future come from a future war, we know that they're absolutely has to be some timeline where judgment day happens and or different versions of timelines where judgment day happens and the machines rise and these terminators we get get created right so we essentially one way to look at you know this upcoming terminator salvation terminator Four, being set in the future war is that is looking at one of those timelines that that had to have happened in order for terminators to go back in time
0: right and that, I think you know, you're trying also, to make it. I think you're trying to make it all make sense together, and I think it doesn't. And I, I think Jordy said it best <laughs> when he says that, that that way lies madness, right? Well, that that way lies madness essentially is that you know I can
2: you can rationalize anything with all these multiple timelines. In that, that's true. You know, any that we're looking at any Terminator story being told, I guess and now by this point it's totally ambiguous as to which timeline we're looking at, mm-hmm. right?
1: Or but even, I mean, or even, or even really, if multiple timelines exist, you know. Well, no, I mean, this was, I, because I do, when they
0: when they tortured and killed Toby from The West Wing, it more or less confirmed that that uh, multiple timelines exist, right? No, I don't think
1: so, because um, Kyle, not Kyle, Derek came back from the future before um, Jesse did, or something like that, um, or vice versa. It, it could be that like it's one timeline, but. If you're like when you leave the future affects what you remember, because it like changes um, based on the actions of the last person to go back to the past or something like that. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I don't I don't think that it, uh, it certainly supports that hypothesis, but I don't think it really comes out and confirms it.
2: I'm, I'm still sticking with the multiple timeline. Yeah.
0: Right. Allison. Oh, uh, human, human Cameron is named Allison from Palmdale, by the way. I just thought I would, you know, from Palmdale, yeah, yeah. California.
1: That was, uh, a, that was a good episode.
2: Yeah, right? Yeah, um, can, can you guys refresh my memory on what exactly uh, happened with that? I mean, I remember that there was a human Cameron, essentially, and then the Terminator Cameron. And the Terminator Cameron essentially stole her identity, something like that.
0: Well, right, that she was – wasn't she made by Skynet? Wasn't she in the kind of Skynet human kennel uh, on one of the – I think on a ship, right?
1: Or maybe, a, maybe an oil rig?
0: Yeah, right, something like that. It was definitely wow. ocean-based. And uh, Skynet came to her and was like, you know, we're going to make – we're going to use you to help infiltrate the humans or to get John Connor to do what we want or something. Something like that,
2: but yeah. then if, if wait, so if that if that human Cameron wasn't a term, it was in a Skynet kennel, then it doesn't quite fully explain who this human Cameron is, and that that shows up the final episode of Sarah Connor Chronicles.
1: It certainly doesn't explain it a hundred percent. What I what I sort of assume about that timeline you see at the very end of the counter chronicles is that it's at a point in time before uh was captured and before either of the reese brothers went back to the past but you could also look at it as a completely alternate timeline where all sorts of other things are are changed so i don't know
2: yeah i'm kind of going with that one right there though this, this is essentially just a completely alternate timeline
0: yeah so, so was was the warehouse part of weaver's good skynet i mean back in the warehouse episodes right or was that part of bad skynet and that's why she blew it up i think it was bad skynet so warehouse was bad skynet and and fly drone was bad skynet also yeah Yeah. so what was, was what was liquid metal moray eel that like merged into her leg
1: That was an interesting moment. Um, Very early on, with that character being established, you see that she has this uh, fish tank in her office with a moray eel in it. Right. And it's basically a visual symbol for kind of the sinuous nature of the liquid metal Terminator. And I think that actually maybe you get that character associated with the moray eel before it becomes apparent that she is um, a liquid metal Terminator, so it's a nice little bit of foreshadowing in a way. Okay. So I found that when like, the eel turns out not to just be a symbol for her nature, but actually part of her body that she's been keeping in a tank in her office, like, I mean, it doesn't make any kind of sense in terms of story logic, but as a sort of symbolic moment, it's great. It's kind of like the end of Pirates of the Caribbean where you you have the guy, like, drop the apple. You know, of course that's
0: stupid, but it's also awesome, I think. Is it, um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, maybe it's a safety measure, right? Maybe if they, even if they manage, yeah, right, if they, even if they manage to kill all of Weaver, you still have, uh, you still have eel.
1: And, you know, imagine, you know, somebody could break into her office and try to mess around with her files and the eel is going to come out and uh, bite their ankle or something, I don't
2: know. Or, asphyxi- or asphyxiate them with the stabby tongue.
1: Right, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. Although, um, it, it does raise a question, if liquid metal terminators are capable of separating themselves into many parts that can operate semi-independently, like, they've been, <laughs> they've been missing out on some opportunities, haven't
2: they? <laughs> they haven't been maximizing their utility.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, okay, so drone, super- so water. bad Skynet, so bad skynet has you know this time travel thing that mark was talking about last time i i do agree that it is sort of it's a lazy way of getting out of problems isn't it because why not if if you can send so many things back through time you know why not send an army of terminators back to i don't know uh bc or something (laughs) i you know i mean why not send one to every year and you know why not you know why not go with a more of a shotgun approach to the problem
1: yeah right And no, yeah totally it becomes very problematic um i mean i guess there would be
0: no no movie then right a shotgun approach to the problem does not lend itself well to cinematic or television storytelling
1: well, it doesn't work for cinematic te- uh, storytelling. It might work very well for TV storytelling. And I think, in a way, you've seen it working well for TV storytelling because they can have a Monster of the Week, you know? Um,
0: yeah, but this is, more of of a, this is more of a heavily serialized, serialized show. I mean, more so than, I don't know, what are some other conspiracy shows? More so even than X-Files, which was, which was a combination of a, of a mythology show and a Monster of the Week show.
1: Yeah, I think that there have been Monster of the Week episodes, though, of uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. And that, honestly, it tended to work better when it was doing Monster of the Week stuff, as these uh, these shows that are half and half so often, the mythology-heavy episodes are pains in the neck, and the ones that it's just like, all right, there's a Terminator in the 20s. You know, like, that episode didn't advance any kind of plot but on its own terms, it was great. When well, you, there, did, you did find
0: out – you found out that Cameron was going off and doing things, yeah, right? So it advances her character,
1: but it doesn't tell you much, much about, like, you know, the overarching plot of the, uh, the season. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I found that in one of one of the things that uh, separates season one from season two, is that I think in season one they had a lot more episodes that was just like, this is the local problem that we're dealing with. There's a particular terminator who's at some warehouse. We need to deal with him. And They would have uh, Cameron come in and have a little robot fist fight, and then the uh, they would like smash that skeleton, and the episode would end. Whereas in the second season, there was a lot more attempt to string things together, which I admire
0: in principle. But if you can't pull it off, then it's bad. Yeah, I no, it's to- it's off. totally bad, and it, it lends it lends itself to a lot of navel gazing, which yes. we don't right, which I think is unearned because uh, you haven't you haven't laid the groundwork for what the stakes are right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that actually your point that you made in the last podcast that they should have had more people brought into the general cast. I think that that would have been really nice, um, especially if they then had more of them be mortal, Uh, because that moment where, uh, where Derek Reese just gets like capped within the first, like, five minutes of the episode, that was, on the one hand, a great moment, because it really establishes that, hey, wait a minute, these Terminators are lethal, Um, and not lethal in a kind of slasher movie villain way, where every death is this planned out set piece, but lethal in the way that they just, like, kill people, you know, Uh, like they don't even care. Um, However, it was a problem in that, Basically, since the first season, they've brought in a few characters and then killed them off one at a time to keep the stakes high without killing anyone that the audience actually cares about, which is really frustrating when that happens. And so the reason I stopped watching Lost is when they brought in all of the, like, extra cast members in the second season and then killed them off one at a time until you're left with the same schmoes that had been there since day one, you (laughs) know?
2: I I guess, that I was can't, I guess, yeah, I can't I can't speak for loss, but um, yeah, I mean, killing off killing off Derek seemed a little bit a little bit arbitrary, but I guess that was just kind of a setup to bring him just to bring him back.
1: Yeah, yeah. And actually, I, uh, I totally like the moment now that they did bring him back in the way that they did. It totally makes sense now. Like it, it works. But at the time, I was just like, well, he was the most expendable one, you know. Um, and I feel like having such a limited cast, it it forces you, you know, if you want to change the game, then you know exactly who's going to die because there's only one expendable character.
2: Yeah. Right. Um, let let me come back to the, come, come back to the ending. And I was just thinking about something else that's, that's bothering me and trying to think forward in terms of if, and hopefully if they do bring back the, you know, bring it back for a third season, what's going to happen then? Um, which is that, you know, so Zyra Corp or John Henry, whatever that AI that was in the basement was supposed to be the good Skynet, right? That's going to fight the bad Skynet. And, yeah. and, you know, Catherine Weaver says that, you know, Savannah Weaver's survival depends on John Henry or the AI's good Skynet survival. Right.
1: Yeah, let me uh, let me break in quickly. It reminds me of something that uh George Romero said when they were doing um Land of the Dead, which is that if there's ever going to be a peace between the zombies and the humans, the zombies are going to have to learn to eat something else. You know, like, it can't be <laughs> it can't be unilateral. Both sides have to come to a mutual accord. And I feel like that's what uh the good skynet represents is the Terminators learning to eat something else as uh. a But go on with, with your point.
2: Okay, sir. So um you know they they jump forward into time, and they 're in post apocalyptic post judgment day world. does that ipso facto mean that the good Skynet that they left behind didn 't do its job That's what
0: it seems like good so Skynet I mean... no good because uh, uh, Shirley Manson from Garbage switched off the machines at the end of the episode before the time jump, so good Skynet traveled like, in the John Henry body to the future.
1: Yeah, it seems like... I I thought that uh, they were making Good Skynet to try to stop Judgment Day, but the last episode tells us that whatever job Good Skynet has to do is not in the present, but in the post-apocalyptic future. Whoa. And it's gone forward to do that job, whatever it is. That's how I interpret it.
2: Wait, so... but just, Just a second here. So... The Good Skynet Is shut down, all the hardware. is shut down at the end of the last episode. But John Henry, the body that was connected to the good Skynet, has Cameron's chip, though.
0: Well, but not in the body, just carrying it around. Well, we don't know. I mean, can he survive without... Uh, Isn't, like, all that computing equipment there because they can't manufacture a chip like Cameron has? Yeah, because they destroyed the original
2: Cromartie chip. So he Hmm. put the chip in... And then was able to download all the John Henry software into that chip and then travel into the future?
0: Maybe. Uh, I mean, may, maybe we're setting up the gay subplot between the Cromarty uh, body and, uh, you know, <laughs> and John Connor in the future. And he'll be like, get, a, get on top of me. You know, it's <laughs> cold. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I do think it would be interesting because now you have potentially
1: a love triangle between John Connor human cameron and like the robot cameron that he's come to love allison from palmdale yeah totally is that how
0: much of that was do you think i mean uh one of the questions the question i wanted to end with you know if you think that we're there is in what sense what is now wrapped up you know like in what sense could this be a satisfying ending and was that long lingering shot uh of allison from palmdale was that like, um ah, yes, he's come home and he has the real good, you know, non-robot version of her who he can finally penetrate with something other than a knife. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't think anything's wrapped up, to be honest. And he's, you know, and he's there with his he's there with his father and uncle. And though he is not the leader of the resistance, like, hey, maybe that's even an improvement because he doesn't have all this pressure mm. anymore.
1: Yeah, I I think that that's that's
0: one way of looking at it. Or is this just a Twin Peaks kind of mindfuckish ending?
1: Oh, yeah, it's like, I don't think that either one can be said for sure. If it's supposed to be the happy, happy ending, it's very, very interesting because the whole show is the Sarah Connor Chronicles, right? And it turns out that the happy, happy ending is John leaving his mother behind, you know, cutting the cord, which allows him to reunite with his various father figures and to get the girl, right? That's one way of reading it. Um, but I don't think it works because. That's the
0: Freudian. That's the TSCC Freudian interpretation. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but, and yet, his mother is such a compelling figure. I mean, really, if you look at the Terminator, not really any one of the Terminator movies or even the show is totally based on Sarah Connor, but she is kind of the. The connecting thread. She's the main character of the franchise. I think you have to say. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't yeah. think that it's possible to have the audience satisfied with a happy ending that involves John Connor cutting the cord. You know, I feel like she has to be there for any kind of really Whoa. satisfying resolution.
2: Or if they were, if they going to cut the cord, they need to do so in a much better way. <laughs> much better way than in Terminator Three, for example. It's like, yeah, she's you know, she's dead in the you know you <laughs> know. Right, that's right. it, you know, or or this or this way at the end of Sarah Connor Chronicles where it's like, you know, bye bye and boom, that's it. You know, it's like you know they could set that up in some other way. You know, if Sarah Connor dies a very dramatic death at the hands of a Terminator or something like that, and that's well, how even then, breaks, breaks the tie.
1: Maybe, but I think even then it wouldn't really be satisfying. I think that um, that the reaction to that, no matter how carefully they set it up,
2: would just be like infuriated what if it were the, the properly uh, plotted out series finale yeah i think that, even then. even then
1: yeah even then i mean it would it would be a satisfying ending on some level but i think that um that the reaction to it would be incensed just because of because of how compelling the character is to me at least <laughs> yeah, right i, I it's think
2: she's a compelling way. character but i still you know it, it, that doesn't make it uh, you know to- against the rules to kill her off at some point.
1: No, well, maybe, maybe.
2: You know, I mean, I would. We well are. You know, I, you know that, that's like I guess you know going back to you know one of the things that I liked about Sarah Connor, the show Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles, is that you know it brought back Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor, um, <clears throat> as such a central figure to this Terminator stories, which was totally absent from Terminator Three. Yeah. So yes, and to I, see I her. Mean, go, to see if this were the end of, of that, it would it would be a shame.
1: Hey Matt, and, and, I mean, I think that's a, a fascinating question that you raise as to whether it's wrapped up. What do you think?
0: Oh well, well I think that like this is, you know, um, I actually I think you said something very good. One of one of your posts a long time ago from overthinking it, which is that the the, um, uh, the oh god, <laughs> and I don't edit these things either. The um, prerogatives of narrative are very different from the prerogatives of. Uh, serialized entertainment. Right. And that, you know, and that in, I think that if they're, they're, I don't know how long ago this finale was, was produced. And I don't know if they knew quite, uh, you know, how tenuous the thread holding the sort of Damocles, you know, up over the series was, but uh, at the time that they wrote and produced it, but, you know, if they did, I think that it's, they're like they were kind of reaching for those endings i think that this homecoming where john is you know surrounded by his family and you know the the two the father the uncle and the girlfriend right uh and then the voice of sarah follows him through time i don't think that meant that someone else had come through time and the voice i think it was just the voice right that sort of came in that in those blue sparks yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh I think that those things were were like um kind of attempts to wrap it to kind of wrap it up to bring some kind of thematic resolution. You know, cuz the 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 pilot starts with them like we oh we have to leave home. And it's like they're in, and even in the second season when they leave the house with uh that had blonde girl from Dawson's Creek in it. You know, she she was also in Freaks and Geeks. Busy Phillips is the actress's name. Um, Right. Like uh, they have to leave there that they always have to leave home and that even if it's just in the future, you know, John has come home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I don't buy that. Right. And I, here I am. And I'm hoping that it, you know, I'm hoping that it continues because it's like, hey, finally something happens that isn't a lot of brooding about what sucky <laughs> lives they all have. Right. And it's like, yeah, your life sucks. So go blow something up. Right. Like, like, let's be active. Let's like make plans to uh, let's make plans to combat Skynet rather than, you know, what, rather than like uh, just meditating on how sucky Skynet makes all of our lives. Um, Now it seems like, hey, there's actually shit that's going down and that's good. But, uh, you know, if it happens to be the end, I I feel like it's a reach and that. That maybe, you know, maybe that like long lingering close up on, you know, Allison from Palmdale as she pets the dog. It's like, (laughs) you know, uh, it's like it's your ideal woman and bonus. You can have her. Now, there's a conspiracy theory that's on in the comments for the Onion AV Club uh, thread, you know, episode recap of this, which is that maybe the whole point was that. John shows up With all this knowledge of Skynet And of metal and how to reprogram them Uh, Right He becomes the leader uh, After the end of this episode He becomes the leader of the resistance Right he sends Kyle back To father himself Right. Uh, then when um, then when Allison from Palmdale is kidnapped, she becomes Cameron and like he spends his life in isolation with her in compensation. And that this none of this actually really obviates the storyline that we know and love. It just kind of alters the way it comes about.
1: Oh, that John Connor was never anything but a boy who came forward through time, kind of.
0: Yeah. Right. That that was that that would be a way. This is, this is, and like I say, it's a conspiracy theory that's on an internet message board. So I don't know how much yeah. credence that, but you know, you can see that. I mean, you know, sure. it, it would not be the worst mindfuck in this episode by far.
1: <laughs> yeah, I suppose not. Um, it, it doesn't really tell you much about what's going on with um, John Henry, but it's an interesting, uh, an interesting attempt to uh, make all of the careful writing that the show's writers put in totally meaningless.
0: Right. You know? Yes, it does. It does totally do that. No, I'm,
2: this is the this is the reason for John Henry jumping into the future, is that he's going to bring back the knowledge of Dungeons and Dragons to the human race, it's lost on Judgment. i figured it out.
0: Right, and that they're going to that they're going to build you know polyhedral dice, uh, you know, and use them to defeat Skynet somehow. They're going to roll twenties. They got John Henry. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Rolling 20s, yo. Oh, man. Well, all right. So let us know what you think. You can leave a comment. Uh on the show notes page for this podcast You can email us at Podcast at overthinkingit.com Or you can call the voicemail uh, Leave your name where you're calling from Like Allison from Palmdale uh, <laughs> And your message By calling 20 log one That's 203-285-6401 And as always, visit us on the web At www.overthinkingit.com The site where we subject the popular culture To a level of scrutiny It probably probably doesn't doesn't deserve. deserve.